And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at StanTheFan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very pleasant good morning to each and every one of you as we make our way through the month of August. It's already August the 17th, and it's now on the calendar for kids that they probably have like less than 14 days till school starts. Right. That's one of the things I love about being an adult is razzing kids. Oh, school starts in seven days. Yeah, and and the pools close at the apartment complexes and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're here to talk 17th, some baseball. Seventeenth, yeah. and uh, this is a very important day as far as my family's concerned because yeah. my mom and dad, uh, who are deceased, but yeah. uh, my dad was a very smart man. He got married on his birthday, so he'd never he'd never forget his anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> but he did forget August, his birthday. August August the seventeenth, my dad's birthday, my mom and dad's anniversary. How old would dad be today if he uh, was still with us? Like don't 90? put me on the spot like that. No, <laughs> uh, I would say upper eighties. Upper eighties. Yeah. All right. How long has he been gone? Mm, since the since two thousand one, I think. Two thousand one. Mm. And how long has mom been gone? Uh, two and a half years after dad. Okay. So. All right. Well, uh, this is a good special day in the heist household. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that regard, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're here to talk some baseball today, and here's what we've got on the show when it says a great group of guests. You know, when Bonza says that? Yeah. Today. <laughs> but he's, Todd, been, he's been gone two years. I know. Todd Karpovich, <laughs> Orioles beat writer. Eh, as far as great, you know, not after that, though. Oh. Legendary Arundel High baseball coach Bernie Walter yeah. is going to join us. How about that? Absolutely, that's great. Now you know what? We should have invited Keith Mills up here for that. That's right. Mills well. loves wow. him some Bernie Walter. Yes, indeed. All right. So, legendary high school baseball coach retired. Now Bernie Walter will join us. He also spent four years as uh, Eric Backage's. Uh, Director of Operations for Baseball at the University of Maryland when mm-hmm. Eric Backage was there before he left for the Michigan job. After that, an old favorite of both Craig Heist and myself, uh, former Orioles manager Dave Tremblay is going to join us. I'm looking forward to that. I sent Dave, somebody sent me a thing sort of describing it was um, Andy Rooney's sort of a whole litany about 30 things he said describe a friend. And I sent it to Dave Tremblay, mm-hmm. uh, along with 30 other people or yeah. so. And he said, fantastic, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for including me or something like right. that. And I said, hey, not because I sent that to you and you responded. You're the only one that responded. I said, could you do 15 minutes? Love to do it. Love yeah. to do it. Okay. So uh, Dave Tremblay's going to join us. And then Bill Latson's going to join us. And that's not so great. Right. right? Not so great. Dave Tremblay. When he went over to be with Bo Porter right. uh, with the Houston Astros when the, before the Astros got good, uh, came over to Vieira to, as the Astros were going to play the Nats in a preseason game, exhibition right. game. And Trembley is standing around the, uh, the, the batting cage hitting fungos, and somebody from the other side 
was yelling at Dave about talking to me, you know, and uh, I almost want to say it was Pat Listach. Okay. And uh, he says, no, he says, I got to talk to Heisty. He said, because he says, this is, of course, after he's gone. Right. right. He says, he knows where all the dead bodies are buried. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's That's a a good one. Uh, After that, Bill Latson. MLB.com columnist who just this week wrote a piece about uh, Ryan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, right now, what's going on with Ryan is he tries to get back from the plantar fasciitis. Plus, so what the uh, uh, what the future holds, and there, there's an option obviously for Ryan coming up, and uh, he wants to remain a Washington National. He knows that uh, there's no way they're picking up the option, obviously, uh, because that's worth about 17 or 18 million dollars. And uh, but he would like to continue to be a Washington National and contribute to the club. I think the club's going to do what they need to do to work that out. And uh, Ryan, of course, says uh, money's not really the issue. And, and yeah, at this point in Ryan's career, you certainly believe him. Yeah, and you would guess that he would be the first ever true Washington National to play his entire career with the Nationals. Well, absolutely, yeah. Not and, tainted with no. that Expo name, right? Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, I think that'll get done eventually, and uh, yeah, you know Ryan. Ryan is uh, he's been doing everything for the last week and a half on the field, taking ground balls and everything. Uh, the other thing that has to happen now is just how he runs the bases and cuts and does things like that. I mean, they've I, got I fully a little expect bit, him they, to be back they've got by a the end bit of the month because they've got to set playoff playoff roster. roster. But they've got a little bit of a roster crunch. I mean, who goes when he? I mean, they picked up Cabrera. He's done a very good job. Yeah, they've got Howie Kendricks. They got Matt Adams. I'm not saying that Dave Martinez is playing a game with that. Uh, you'd probably want Ryan Zimmerman above Cabrera. I'm guessing. I'm or guessing. Is there another? Is there? Am I missing a player? They, they could. They could go the route of uh, one, they, less they, pitcher one less for, pitcher for yeah, the playoffs. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's the way we have it. Anyway, that's the guest list we have. We're also going to try and squeeze in, and I don't mean it in a in a negative way. Squeeze in after Trembley. If we don't go too long with him, uh, I'm going to try and squeeze in an interview that Glenn Clark did earlier in the week with Jake Lyons, mm-hmm. who was the lead pitcher, the not the opener, but the starting pitcher who went five or six innings against the Vermont Lake Monsters in the combined no hitter. In the combined no hitter, and the Orioles have two no hitters. In what, a month's time, Michael Bowman pitches a complete game no-hitter, and now they get this. You know, it's funny, in Rutschman's debut game, he was not catching that night, but Lyons was pitching. And I made note of his name and and liked what I saw. Big burly guy, built a little bit along the lines of Andrew Kashner, Mm -hmm. a little bit more athletic, uh, it looks like, but a young kid. I think he's from Oklahoma State. And uh, I was impressed with what I saw. All right. All right. We want to remind you right out of the get-go that we are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios. And uh, we tell you that a couple times each hour because we're very appreciative of their sponsorship of our podcast studio. And they're going to be back for the entire year. Uh, They jumped in and did that when we stopped doing our TV show, Inside Press Box. They jumped in for three or four months with the end of their first year, and now they've signed up for a year with us, and we uh, hope to keep them for many, many years. Live Casino Hotels, and we'll tell you about some events coming up there, some big ones coming up. Um, in fact, they had one last night, 
uh, or no, tonight, Dwight Yoakam and Sugarcane Jane is yeah, tonight okay. at the event center. Eight o'clock is start time. Tickets are $45. But again, as I always like to point out, if Craig and I went, you know, we're not going to say who would pay for it, but it would be 90 bucks. but we'd get back 20 in in free slots play. play yeah. And, you know, you could win thousands, tens of thousands of dollars doing that. Well, if you're lucky. Or at least you may, maybe you come out with the 20 <laughs> that you started with. Right. Is that a good idea? And All that's right. probably more accurate. <laughs> that is probably more accurate. Hey, Craig, uh, the Nats had that little uh, – they had uh, not a little stumble. They stumbled a little bit out of the All-Star break after going 25-10 and 10 leading into it. Uh, but um, they, they went into New York, big series against the Mets, lose the first two games, and then come back and win that game on Sunday, which was huge. They've now used that to catapult them to a five-game winning streak, and they are back in front. In the wild card race, they have the number one wild card seed. They are two and a half games over the Phillies and the Cubs, mm-hmm. who are both tied at 64 and 58. The Nats, 66 and 55. Well, and last night was just a, a great ball game because it was a good pitching matchup with Patrick Corbin on the hill. And uh, that kid was impressive for Milwaukee, Adrian yeah, Hauser. Adrian Hauser, yeah, and uh, he, he is he related he, to Doogie Hauser? Uh, no, but that you know, I mentioned that to somebody last night. I said he's certainly not pitching like Doogie <laughs> Hauser, uh, but he retired the last eleven he faced before he came out of the game after seven innings. Uh, for Corbin's part, though, he battled through six innings, 110 pitches. He left ten. He stranded ten runners between the third inning and the sixth and inning. the sixth inning. And that's of the ten. So he strands ten of the thirteen runners in general that the Brewers left on base last night, and that's probably the biggest story of that game. Yeah. Uh, for for Milwaukee, the big at bat was that strikeout of Mustakas mm-hmm. to, to end the. I think it was to end the six. Well, yeah, and the other part of it is too that uh, not only did uh, Corbin make some really good pitches uh, to uh, <coughs> Christian Yelich. But uh, the bullpen also uh, winds up getting him out twice in, in that game. Yelich goes 0 for 5 in the game. But what can you say about Anthony Rendon? He two doubles, scores Trey Turner. You knew he was going to get a hit there. <laughs> you, you just knew it. You know, and, and, but, you know, that's the reverse thing. Uh, against the reliever he was uh, facing. Gura. Gura. Uh, he's like 0 for 9 or whatever. Yep. And, uh but you want your best player up at the plate in that situation, and it, he's certainly their best player. It really looked to me like uh, Rendon played a little possum with him. I, I thought he wasn't as fooled on the pitch before he hit the double as it might have looked, and I think he set him up a little bit because they threw the same pitch. Yeah, yeah. and now there's uh, there's four games this year where he's had at least two doubles in each right. of those four games. Uh, he's just r- remarkable at this point. You know, they say baseball is a game of inches, and how about the top of that inning when Hunter Strickland throws the, the pitch to Eric Thames mm-hmm. with two outs, nobody on, and then Thames uh, hits that double, which was literally, what, six inches? From being a home run. From being yeah. a home run that would have given the Brewers the lead. Uh, by the way, uh, Late-night baseball, both of the games out west, uh, Ar- the Giants at Arizona and Houston at um, Oakland. Oakland. They both went 12 or 13 innings. Oakland was victorious, the home team. They beat Houston 3-2. to two. Uh, The road team, the San Francisco Giants, edged Arizona 10-9, to nine, 
and that game included home runs number 14, 15, and 16 for a guy named Mike Yastrzemski. Yeah, and we were talking about that before the show. We're going to talk to Bernie, uh, not Bernie Walter, but, but Dave Tremblay. Dave Tremblay about a guy, something about like how, that. How organizations listen? I'm not proclaiming he's a superstar. I mean, he's hitting about 255, 260. But well, look at his but with what we've had, with that, yeah. But what with what we've had over the past few years, I mean, wouldn't you have rather had him this year uh, rather than Keon Broxton in Baltimore? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. no question about it. You know, you uh-huh. want to go back to that uh, Anthony Rendon uh, very quickly. He uh, is uh, four multi-hit efforts now through his last seven games played, four hundred over that stretch. Uh, two doubles, one triple, two homers, seven RBI, and six runs scored. Wow. <laughs> wow. He's something else. He and, is something uh, again, else. And yet it, it looks like they are going down the same path that they went with Bryce Harper. I mean, it doesn't oh, well, look to like. That, to that degree, I, I don't think it's going to wind up the same way. But uh, You still think they're going to get him? I still think they will, yes. Okay. By the way, speaking of Bryce Harper, uh, he has been red hot this week. Red hot, the walk-off grand slam the other night. He hit another home run last night. He had two in the game where he hit the walk-off grand slam. Uh, but, again, when you look at the Phillies as a whole, offensively, that lineup can rake with just about anybody, but it's a matter of how well they're going to pitch, and well, I don't think they've got enough pitching to get it done. Well, they did make one big move, and it's a, an interesting move. And since that move, they you know, you say they can rake with anybody, but they lost um, McCutcheon earlier well, that, in the season. Well, that's been a big deal. They've had a lot of t- uh, turnover with players, but uh, they named Charlie Manuel the batting coach at 75 years of age. And it looks like it's had a little effect. Everybody may be relaxing a little bit uh, with Charlie there. Uh, he spells tapioca. What's his thing, dude? Did you see that T-shirt? Yeah. They wear tapioma or yeah. something. Takioki. <laughs> I don't know, but it, uh, Charlie it's Manuel. It's a tapioca. Is Charlie the Manuel to me, and of course this makes sense because number one of where they're both from, but right. also the fact that they were together for many years. Right. To me, he's the National League version of Mike Hargrove. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah, so. But that you 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 were you were sort of laughing like you knew what I was talking about. The word tapioca. Right. He pronounces it tapi tapiomi tapioma. Yeah. And they the Phillies put out a T-shirt. Tapioma in right. Philly's script. Right, and, and I all heard, the players are. I'm wearing driving it home from the game last night. I'm hearing the. Uh, I'm listening to Pharrell on the bench. Right, and his producer was going off, going, you know, uh, you know, because Pharrell does brought. This, does this producer have the same voice that? No, but Pharrell Scott has. Pharrell has uh, has uh, one of the producers uh, be on the show with him a lot, and, and he was talking about Pharrell was about the t-shirts, and uh, and the producer was going nuts, saying no, no. Make T-shirts when you're in October and you're winning in October. You don't make T-shirts on the 16th of August. That's a good point. Well, this one's just making fun of Charlie's. Yeah, I I know. uh, His uh, speech pattern. Hey, we don't do this often, but Craig, got a lot of commercials on the show today, so I thought we'd do our own little one-minute break here and tell folks about the Costas Inn before we grab Todd Karpovich. Costas Inn, located 4100 North Point Boulevard, you know, it's hard sometimes coming up with new stuff to say about the cost of sin because the old stuff is so great and so true. Well, it is. And, uh, you know, you, you go into the cost of sin. First of all, you're treated like family from the time you walk in the door. What, they ask you for money? Well, yeah. 
rent, <laughs> rent, and and trust me, I can pay some rent sitting at that bar, you know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the Costas Inn, as Stan said, 4100 North Point Boulevard. Great specials on the menu uh, each and every night of the week. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday, Tuesday night, night is, is rib night. Rib night. Wednesday is lobster night. No, and it's. I'm sorry, Wednesday night, steak, steak night, night. And paired with half-priced bottles of wine. Right, exactly. And then uh, Thursday night is lobster night, and you get that either stuffed or uh, or just plain. Uh, but uh, great sides, and there's uh, specials, not just daily specials, but uh, at least four or five uh, items on the menu that are deemed specials each and every night of the week. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of the prime rib. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of the place. And, you know, it's funny when you were talking about stuff, the stuffed mm-hmm. crab cake. I was thinking of our next guest, Todd Karpovich. If he went to if he went to the Costas Inn, it would be stuffed Karpovich. Right, it would be. Yeah. Absolutely. Todd Karpovich joins us now after that break for uh, the Costas Inn. How are you, Todd? Pretty good. How's it going? I just left the gym. So I stuffed myself with weights and well, well, now you took off the calories so you can go to the Costas Inn. That's exactly right. All right. Love the crabs Todd, we're getting down to the dog days. It's uh, just past mid-August. There's about 38 to 40 games left in the Orioles season. What's your latest take on the O's? Well, this, I mean, this was probably one of the toughest stretches with uh, seven with the Yankees, three with the Astros, three with the Red Sox, and so far they've won one game. Yeah. So this is uh, – this was this was this was this was, this was a, kind of a, a stretch that really underscores their season. But um, I tell you what, they got four big games with the Tigers next month in Baltimore, <laughs> which could really decide go a long way to sign that number one pick for uh, for 2020. So there's, there's there's baseball to play for. Unfortunately, it's probably might behoove them not to they, they not play well because they want to get that pick. Oh, I was gonna, well, last night, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on the uh, Orioles game in Boston. And uh, while it didn't start off uh, as badly as the score indicated at the end, but, I mean, it's a 1-1 game, they're in it. And then, again, the, the pitching and the Red Sox offense just kind of take over. Uh, it, it, you know, if, if you're Brandon Hyde at this point and you're going through the stretch that they're going through, uh, with with having been swept by the Yankees, not just here in Baltimore, but then again up in New York. Uh, this has got to be – I mean, I understand the wins aren't important, that kind of thing, the rebuild, but for Brandon Hyde, this has got to be very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it's, and you know, his hands are sort of tied. I mean, every day they're, 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 they're shuffling pitchers back and forth to Norfolk and um, calling in reinforcements. And it's a guy who's – Who's used to winning? I mean, throughout you know, his Chicago this time of year, you know, they got their sights on making a, you know, a run for the playoffs and kind of getting themselves, you know, in position you know, to make a World Series run. So yeah, this is a, this is a tough stretch for him. But again, he said he's been asked about this numerous times, and he said, you know, he's completely on board with the plan. You know, he, he understands, um, you know, what what the ultimate goal is. I think uh, him and. Uh, I think he does meet regularly with Mike Elias. It certainly wasn't something that Buck Showalter did with Dan Duquette. Um, I don't know how much they even talk. I mean, Buck would come into his pregame press conference, and he didn't even, you know, he was not even aware of what moves, you know, or barely knew what moves Duquette had made before the game. Um, so I think this this this, uh, this relationship with Elias and Hyde is more transparent. And I think, you know, it's not like Hyde's managing for his job either. You know, I mean, he's he's the guy they, they pick to, 
you know, oversee this, this rebuild and kind of work with developing players and seeing what guys are part of the future. So, you know, I think, I think you know, obviously any type of professional athlete or coach doesn't want to lose. It's just not in their DNA. But, um, I, I got to be honest. I, I think, I think Hyde's had a good attitude with it. But I got to be honest with you, offensively, over the course stand of the last couple of weeks, this offense has averaged 5.2 runs a game. And when you're going like that and you are putting runs on the scoreboard, you, you just know that at some point in time, and, and I know that the, the uh, draft this year was not pitcher-friendly, no, but, but, but next year it is, and going yeah. forward, they've got to straighten this pitching staff out. When and I say that, coupled with the fact that what's in this farm system much of it is in Delmarva and Bowie. Yeah. Well, um, number have... one priority this offseason is pitching, one yeah, way or yeah. another. And they... they're going to have to go out. I understand you said you don't think they would go out and get a, a sort of a top-tier free agent pitcher, but they're going to need somebody to come in and sort of anchor, anchor that staff. And you said maybe it's Alex Cobb if he can get healthy. Well, um, uh, they've got to have their fingers crossed mightily that Alex Cobb can come back and be pitching capably of winning 13 or 14 games at doesn't mean on this particular team he will win that many games, but he's got, he, they've got to get 160 to 180 innings out of Alex Cobb next year. That's paramount. They need Dallas. Uh, they need um, Dylan Bundy. Yes, they need take, Dallas Keuchel. Yeah, they need Dallas Keuchel. <laughs> they, they need <laughs> Dylan Bundy. They need Dylan Bundy to step up a little bit uh, more, like he has at times lately. But man, you can't have. You know, Dylan Bundy has control over one thing, what he does to the opposition. You can't go into Yankee Stadium and give up four runs in the first inning. I'm sorry. And then go out and retire 18 out of 19, and everybody says you pitched well. But, yeah, when it really counted, you didn't pitch that well. Yeah, the damage was done. You know, you can't – you got to – you gotta, you gotta do it from the beginning. You know, you can't have one. You can't run off one bad inning. You know, sometimes you know, people say, "Well, if it wasn't for that one inning, well, that one inning happened." Yeah. So it's part of the big picture. So yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta bring it all the time. You know, and, and you know, that's like people at the end. That's like people in the, in, t- in the book rotation next year. Is books the guy they bring back? You know, I don't yeah, know. I can't see. I can't see that. I think Wojciechowski has a shot at being back, but the the guy who is really scaring me a little bit now is the tale of two John Means. I mean, you have him go into the All-Star break with a 250 earned run average. Since the All-Star break, I think it's been over eight, uh, and it's in the high threes now. You know, you're two starts away from him being, his numbers not being impressive for the whole season anymore. Right. No, no, it's the, uh, and uh, um, he's pitched, uh, pitched 105 innings, you know, and I'm, I asked Hyde about this. We talked about this last week. I asked Hyde about this about a month ago. If they were going to, if they were worried about keeping track of his innings, or they were worried about his innings, and he said no, because you know he's a 27 year old guy. He's been around, but they, they really didn't have a limit on him. But it's John Means wearing down. You know what I mean? I and, think I think the evidence is that he has worn down a little bit uh, at this point in the season. And look, uh, scouts have seen him. You know, or video has been out now, so uh, other teams probably know that that change-up a lot of times is if you don't swing at it, it's going to be a ball. Uh, yeah, and but seems the like, velocities that yeah. you're watching, if the velocity's down, it could mean, you know, he's tired. Uh, yeah. One thing I've kept an eye on is what pitchers have gone from Bowie up to Norfolk. And as the season has gone on, there now are four 
significant pitchers that have made the jump, including most recently, as of yesterday or Thursday, Dean Kramer is up at Norfolk. But Bruce Zimmerman went up, and about five weeks ago, Hunter Harvey went up, and about three and a half weeks ago, Dylan Tate went up, uh, yeah. basically went up. I mean, he actually went down from Baltimore. But, but I think Tate and Hunter Harvey – are two guys that have really opened the eyes of Orioles management as guys that could be relief pitchers next season for this team. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't brought up, brought up um, Hunter Harmon yet um, with their bullpen struggles because he's pitched really well in the bullpen. Um, I still think we'll see him. Um, some of the other guys, Hyde said, you know, they're going to be careful. We asked them about when rosters expand, whether or not um, – um, you know, there's how many guys they're going to bring up, and he didn't say. You know, he wasn't like they're going to open the floodgates and bring a bunch of guys up. They're going to, they're going to be uh, not so much conservative, but they're going to be closely monitoring. You know, they're not going to bring guys up just to bring guys up. If they get well, to bring somebody up, they want them to contribute. I think so they're we'll going to. I think they'll bring up a couple guys that are on the on the forty man roster or people that they need to protect in the Rule Five draft anyway. So they'd have to be on the forty man roster come you know, November 15th or 20th, and it won't be yeah. that big a deal. Uh, I frankly don't think this team's got huge problems coming to 40 and protecting the guys that are real prospects. No, I agree. I think they, I think they got their 40-man set pretty much, Yeah. Um, you know, already, what they're, really, they're going to have moving forward. We're talking with Todd Karpovich, who's covered the Orioles all season. We are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. Craig Heist and Stan the Fan here. Up later on in the show, Bernie Walter, legendary Arundel High baseball coach, to talk a little bit about the proliferation of home runs in the game. And um, also Dave Tremblay, former Orioles manager, will join us. And last but not least will be Bill Latson. Uh, who wrote a column most recently for MLB.com about Ryan Zimmerman. We're talking to Todd Karpovich, and Todd, uh, I, I know you, you're probably, when the Orioles aren't in town, you're probably not glued to the set exactly, but DJ Stewart, who was drafted number one by Dan Duquette about four years ago, um, he's had three significant defensive plays this season. One was the long run from right field where he collided, uh, where Hanser Alberto undercut him. Yeah. Uh, then he had to play 10 days ago uh, in left field where he dove for a ball and the ball hit him flatly on the head. Concussed him. He went into the concussion protocol. And last night he was playing over in right center. I'm not quite sure why they were playing him that far over in right center against Mitch Moreland. I guess the pitches we're supposed to be more on the outside of the plate. Moreland hits a high fly ball over near the foul pole. DJ Stewart hustles his ass off, gets there, and basically overruns or overstabs his glove and botches the play. Yeah. Uh, for a team that's trying to get better defensively in the outfield, I, I, I hate to say it, I don't know where he fits in. Yeah, he, he said, uh, I think before yesterday's game, or before Wednesday's game, that he has to get he, he admitted that he has to get better defensively. Yeah, and we, we talked about that the last game we were we were we were together at home. The outfields they, they just got getting the balls. You know they're hit out there, and, and, it's, and it's sort of it's, it's a trickle down effect of the pitching. 
you know, the, the defense can really help a pitcher out. And um, the Orioles outfield has not been great that all season. Has not been great all no, season. It's been it's maybe. it's actually been absolutely horrible. The outfield yeah. defense. And you know, it's funny. We're coming off a week last week where we were sitting in here. Talking about the 30th anniversary of the 1989 Why and Not all team. All they talked about. And it. all they talked about was outfield defense and how great it was that year. Yeah, and it, it saves pitchers, you know. It's like you think of, think of, when you can pitch to contact and you got the guys behind you making plays, it makes your life a lot easier. Here, here's and, th- and nobody here. truer than that than, than the year that Jeff Ballard had that yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. 18 yeah. wins. Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing to me. Those, those three plays to me are a microcosm. Now you factor in that D.J. Stewart's hitting about 150 in the majors this year. And, again, as much as I root for that kid because I know how hard a worker he is and everything, but two of those plays, um, the one in right field in uh, Texas and the one um, last night, those are balls that he's got got to catch. And he's also – like the one in Texas, it's Alberto's fault – there's no question in my mind that he undercut D.J. Stewart, but perhaps if Stewart were really calling off people, you know, but I'm sure he's, he's so un- I'm sure he's yeah. so uncertain whether he's going to get there or not. He's not calling people off. Well, and on the last homestand, perfect example, Stevie Wilkerson's out in center field. He comes in on a ball in the right center field gap, right. hit just behind the second baseman, probably out of his reach. And Mancini's coming. And Mancini didn't and Ma- let Wilkerson take charge. Right, Mancini and, didn't and let Wilkerson. And, and, and Stevie just kind of pulled up, and then the ball falls he in front of Mancini. looked over at Mancini. Right, exactly. He's got to totally take charge of Absolutely. that Absolutely. And, and how many times this guy come around to score on plays like that? It's like yeah. amazing. It seems yeah. like every time the Orioles miss the ball in the outfit or something falls in, that guy comes around to score. You know, Craig points to 1989. I point to 2012, and it's set up. This is a, an incredible story. It set in motion a very strange relationship I had with Adam Jones. I tweeted out when Twitter was first coming out. I said, Angels are supposedly trading Peter Borges. Orioles Orioles should trade them a couple relievers. And I said, and move Adam Jones to left field. Adam yeah. Jones never, my uh, digital person, tweeted it to Adam Jones. He never let me live that down, Right. But what the Orioles did do was pick up Nate McClough to play left field, and suddenly all those doubles in left center were caught by Nate McClough. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that guy could play defense. Yeah. Absolutely. But here's the, here's the real story behind that, Carp, and that's the fact that when Twitter kind of first came out, Stan had this new toy, and he's like, what can I do to piss people off? <laughs> I knew you were going to go and Then he had his own intern undercut him. Well, I had, I probably had zero followers back then. So, if, in other words, if she hadn't tweeted it to him, he would have never gotten pissed right, at there me. You go. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but, but my point was well taken. It was the outfield defense in the second half of that season with McClough playing left field. Uh, balls were suddenly caught that weren't. Now, listen. This club's going to give up about 315, 320 home runs. Yeah, so it's, so it's, we can't lay it. We can't yeah. lay it all on the outfield defense, but we can certainly lay some of it on the outfield. They're going to right. They're going to give up 315 home runs, and 61 of them came against the Yankees. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20 home from Torres. Right. Well, how about last night? What was the first two? What What the first two batters do last night? 
Did did one of them hit a home run? Uh, yeah, I look back. I mean, I, was, I can't I remember. It was the Red Sox last night. I forget who led on. No, no, Mookie, Mookie or Mookie. Yeah, I think Mookie. Hit, did he hit a home run? Darn, darn it! I can't even remember right now. Hold on. Hold on, you guys. I, I had my you own. Guys talk. I, I had my own game to cover. Carpy, let me ask you this though: when you, when you look at the bullpen and you see uh, Givens, number one, uh, who's been so up and down this year, exactly, what do you see going forward with him in terms of uh, just the, the the fact that you know how they'll use him going forward? Is he still that? Late inning guy, or do you think they'll look in another direction? Because obviously, keep in mind, this is a guy who was very instrumental in the success that this team had when Buck was here and when they were winning. And now it, just, it seems like at times he's just lost his confidence a bit. Yeah, you know, he lost his closer job in June and got it back. And, and Aaron Hyde said he's gonna he's gonna play it by you know play it by ear, but who's gonna close? And then of course he blew that save. Um, uh, was it against the Astros? Um, on the, on, the, on the finale, the Orioles wound up winning, but I don't. Yeah, I don't. I think you know Hyde, Hyde is going to play it, but he's going to be situational with him. I don't. I don't think he's he's the factor closer. And, and that's I probably. Don't, I, don't really I don't get him. I really don't. Well, you know, no, but I was I was going to say that's probably with the situation that we've seen unfold. That's probably the best way to handle it at this point. Yeah, I agree. You can't. I mean, they're just not. Uh, they just don't have the talent um, to. Uh, you know, to have the factor closer. How many, how many, how many situations? He hasn't really had that many safe situations this year. You know? now, that's like the furthest thing from important uh, next year. Um, I understand that Eshelman was optioned out after last night's game, right, so there's a that. chance. There is a chance Dylan Tate will come up for him, or maybe Hunter Harvey. Uh, so that, that doubled, and then uh, Deaver singled him in. So they didn't actually hit a home run the first inning. What's that? The Red Sox didn't hit, did not, did hit, not a hit a home run, game. right? But they That's were dumb. playing. They were playing wall ball, though. Uh, yeah, they hit yeah. the ball. Yeah, they hit the ball at the wall. We're talking times. with Todd Karpovich about the Orioles. Todd, the um, the Chris Davis situation a week ago uh, in the dugout and the aftermath of that, it's kind of blown over. I don't think there's like a a really toxic relationship between Brandon Hyde and Chris Davis. Uh, Chris Davis is a, a pretty darn good teammate. I watch <coughs> body language. I watch him celebrate when people do things. I mean, I think he's a pretty sincere uh, teammate. Uh, he's obviously been humbled. Do you see him back here next year? Uh, you know, it's if he wasn't, you know, he's down to 176. Yep. Batting. Um, and it's it, I, it, look, it is a distraction. Um, he because he's, he's he's national news because you know of, of what his numbers are and what what his place is in baseball history. You know the worst the worst stats of any player like in, in, in the modern era. Um, so I but I you know are they going to it was meant it was meant as a it was meant as a yes or no it was meant as a yes or no question. Will he be here? Yes, I do. I do. I do think he's back. Yes. Okay, I I don't I I can't see with a team that has. A catching prospect like Chance Sisko, who's m- really more of an, a bat prospect. DJ Stewart is a bat prospect. He's not a defensive prospect. They've got Ryan Mountcastle on the verge, who's a bat prospect looking for a position. And they got Mancini, who I give Trey all the credit in the world for turning himself into a competent outfielder. 
But if you're really trying to put your best outfield foot forward, he, he Mancini should be on first base. Yeah, yeah and, and, and uh, you know, I talked to Mancini about it. He came up as an infielder. He put him in the outfield. Stevie Wilkerson came up as an infielder. He got him in the outfield. Yeah, these guys are on the position. You know, so yeah. it's you know we talk about the outfield defense, but these guys, these guys didn't come up as outfielders. They came up as infielders. They they went out there because there was a need. You know, so you know, that's a, part, it, of the, part of the problem. It's it's interesting. Last night too. Uh, I don't bash uh, Brandon Hyde too often for position, defensive position uh, decisions, but can you understand at all why the play I described with D.J. Stewart, why D.J. Stewart's in right field in Fenway Park and Mancini's in left field? Well, it's because Fenway is is it's, a much easier left field, a much easier left field. Right. Part, right. I think Mancini's a more competent outfielder than DJ. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, in terms of, <clears throat> pardon me, getting the balls and things of that nature, DJ has much more speed than Mancini, and I just think it's a, a ground okay. acreage coverage thing, if you will, right? Uh, because that that right field is so you know vast and cavernous out there at Fenway. Well, DJ. DJ tries his ass off. There's no question about it. That play last night that I'm, I'm touching on, the Moreland fly ball to the warning track in right field, uh, or less than the warning track, um, very similar to me in terms of the net result to the play in Texas where DJ got hurt. He's running a long, long way for a ball and really kind of gets lost in where the ball really is. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think, and like you, with those three players you mentioned, you know, your confidence can shake in as a player. You yeah. know what I mean? When you're out there. You know, it, it's, it's a normal reaction. Um, and, yeah, like you said, with effort, I think the whole team is putting in effort. It's just that they're not getting the results. All right. We are talking with Todd Karpovich. Todd, um, I'm trying to think. We've, we've gone through the starting pitching. We've gone through the relief pitching. Um, anything you think we've missed on? Today. Yeah, I mean, like um, I think like Craig said, they're hitting the ball. They're just not getting, you know, they're, they're just not getting the well, support. It's it's uh, you know I, I did an interview with uh, Matt Adams this past week coming off the field. You know, one of those quick little hitters after the Nationals won, and this was the game where Doolittle uh, gave up two runs when he took a three-run lead into the bottom of the or at the top of the ninth inning. So he gives up two runs, and I said to Matt Adams, I said, "Boy, that got a little hairy at the end," and he goes. Yeah, but we scored one more run than they did. Well, the problem with the Orioles there is they're scoring runs, but they're one giving less, up they're giving up less. much more than what they're yeah, scoring. They're, they're giving up ten. That's right. The All right, Todd. Twenty-two. Todd, we appreciate you being on. As always, have a great rest of your weekend, buddy. Thanks, guys. See, I you, it. see you out at the park. I'll see you this week at the park. Yep. All right. I want to remind you that uh, we are brought to you by um, Mobile One. Mobile One Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. That's right. The Bat Around is presented by Mobile One. Full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for Mobile One. Uh, Baltimore's favorite sports bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill at 504 Washington Boulevard is just steps away from Camden Yards, and it's the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. 
feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's Neighborhood Sports Bar, Sliders for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all the Sliders daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, Baltimore's Neighborhood Sports Bar. Visit them today. Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms world-famous chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill is at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps away from Camden Yards. It's the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients, take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar visit them today in birdland summer looks a lot like strolling under the lights on utah street diving into a juicy boogs barbecue sandwich snagging exclusive giveaways and tagging your friends to get theirs too saving big with kids cheer free or sipping on an ice cold brew on the budweiser roof deck while jamming out to the all-new birdland summer music series Whatever gets you going this summer, Oriole Park has you covered. And all you need is your ticket. Be part of it all. Orioles.com. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasIn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The Smokehouse Barbecue Bacon Sandwich has come to Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. A boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with Colby Jack cheese, bacon hand tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend, and green leaf lettuce. Topped with zesty smokehouse barbecue sauce, have it with their real lemonade and the famous Chick-fil-A waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies. Nobody waits for food unless they choose to. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square offers the super fast service you count on. Dine in, drive through, or pre-order with your Chick-fil-A app and it'll be ready when you get there. Plus, if you use the Chick-fil-A app, you automatically accrue points for free food. There's no better time for Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square than today. 5198 Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Catering available. 
This is former Terp AJ Francis, just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from I the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. Back on the bat around, uh, broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios on the Saturday, August 17th. There's so many great events that are coming to Live Event Center at Live Casino Hotel, including tonight. Dwight Yoakam, that's right, with Sugarcane Jane. Tickets start at just $45, include $10 in free slots play. If you're a country music fan, you might want to check that out tonight. Also coming to the Live Events Center in the coming months are Norm McDonald, comedian extraordinaire, Grand Funk Railroad, the rescheduled Boz Skaggs concert, Kenneth, Babyface Edmonds, and Gladys Knight. Get your tickets at Live Casino hotel.com uh and um they got a lot of good entertainment out sounds there. like and yeah. i mean uh you know norm norm is is very funny yeah yes I'm, i'd love to talk to norm and find out what the hell happened remember when he became colonel sanders yes and then then they had about so he, it clearly was over money but then it seemed are you having trouble with what so then try the other line yeah okay all right um, they're clearly about money, but they're yeah, clearly were, about money. But then they they seem to have trouble with everybody because there were about yeah. five in a row new Colonel well, the, the, Sanders. The killer for me was when Reba McIntyre did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all right. So uh, you'll have uh, down at Nats Park tonight a chance to gain more ground uh, in the division. And keep in mind that division race right now is right. four and a half right. and three in the loss column. And those two teams have seven head-to-head matches uh, still to go this year uh, between the Nats and the Braves. So uh, Annabelle Sanchez will try to get it done tonight. Uh, Jordan Lyles will be on the hill for the Brewers. Uh, Had a chance to talk to uh, Gio Gonzalez last night, so uh, he is not pitching in this series. He won't pitch until Tuesday when the club gets out to St. Louis for what will be another enormous series for the Brewers. And right now, Brewers are Brewers and the Cubs are both struggling. Yeah, the Cubs struggling, but the they're Cubs right there in the game mix. this week. Yeah, I know. And they've been walked off two or three different times and got walked off again last night. So, yeah. again, uh, Joe Madden's got to find something going on there and uh, get that turned around a little bit. And interestingly enough, on this next road trip, the Nationals will wind up next weekend uh, in Chicago against the Cubs. Right. All right. Well, the Cubs have not won a game this year, and the New York Mets, they lose. The Cubs, it's one the Cubs, thing. The Cubs haven't won a game at all this, this year? This week. Oh. This week. <laughs> yeah, I know. This, you, you the, said this The year. Mets this week, though, went lost two out of three in Atlanta, mm-hmm. but then they go out for a series that you expect them to roll over the Kansas City Royals in Kansas City, and they beat Noah Syndergaard last night. Absolutely. And uh, all of a sudden, Mickey Calloway back on the hot seat because of uh, one of the moves or the moves that he didn't make uh, in that Kansas City series, but also one of the moves that he didn't make 
in, in the Atlanta game or the Atlanta series where they lost the, the second of those two games uh, in the series. So, again, the New York media kind of getting after Mickey Callaway and after they had gone through a stretch where they had won 14 of 15, all of a sudden he's back on the hot seat again, Stan. And I'm wondering going forward, depending on how this uh, turns out for the Mets, whether or not if, if it goes south the last month, whether or not Mickey Callaway's back. Yeah, it's going to be tough uh, for Mickey Callaway to be back. You know, uh, Brody Von Wagenen, it's not the guy that he hired. He mm -hmm. was hired by his predecessor. <laughs> it's been a lot of uh, angst up and down. It is, despite that great run that they had, it's hard for me to see if they just sort of flatten, flat line here that he'd be back. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah, and again, uh, they, they lost uh, some people from, for, to injury. And, uh, but, but when you look at the Mets, and, and you got Syndergaard, DeGrom, and uh, you, you know, their pitching staff from a starting standpoint is okay. But then you turn around, you look at the Phillies and what they're trying to accomplish, and they're hitting the hell out of the baseball right now. But from a pitching standpoint, they've lost Arietta, and he's probably gone for he's the gone year. For now. The year yeah, he's gone he's for the year. He's going to do that elbow surgery. Right, exactly. So, I mean, I mean, this is a situation where they've got to get through it with. Uh, a guy like Aaron Nolan not pitching his best baseball, nothing like it was last right. year, and a bullpen that's kind of suspect. Yep, yep, yep. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how it plays out. We're trying to make our connection with Bernie Walter, uh, and we expect to have him on, on with us in just a minute. Uh, in the meantime, Craig Heist and I are blabbing away. Dave Tremblay will be on with us. Dave Tremblay will be on with us in, uh, in about 15 minutes. We also hope to have uh, Bill Latson on at uh, 1140. And in between those two, we're hoping to play. I know we'll play that because we have that on uh, tape. Jake Lyons, mm -hmm. uh, who pitched the no-hitter. Glenn Clark had him on earlier in the show. Pitched the no-hitter, but he was part of the combined. Combined no-hitter. No yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, that's always an exciting thing. Uh, you know, and we, we, we were talking to uh, – we, we were talking last weekend at the 30th anniversary of the Why Not year, and we were talking to Bob Malacky, and Malacky was involved in, in uh, you know, the, the, the combined no-hitter out in Oakland where it went from Malacky uh, to Mark Williamson to Mike Flanagan. To Greg Olson. And right. Greg Olson, and, and Olson closed it out. And uh, those were the four guys. I happened to, I happened to be there for that game. Uh, visiting some friends, but I was also working uh, at the same time, and I had a chance to uh, uh, I had a chance to watch that game. Malaki left with an injury after six innings, but then it turned out to be uh, three other guys combining on the no hitter, uh, and that, and that's a tough lineup when you're thinking about Parker, Conseco, McGuire, uh, and and we we also were reminiscing too about Greg Olson going through that lineup in the ninth inning out in Oakland where he fans all three of them with that hook. And you're watching Canseco and McGuire, especially Canseco, just flail away at the curveball that Greg Olson had. So, again, these are all kinds of neat things in sports. That's why they tell you to go to the ballpark. You never know what you're going to see. Uh, and, and the same thing with that. You go to the ballpark, you may see a no-hitter. You may see a combined no-hitter. You may see, uh, you know, somebody, so, some team come back from, you know, 11, 12 runs down. 
you never ever leave the ballpark until the game is over and uh that's something that that's something I'm really I'm glad I became a reporter because that forced me not to leave the ballpark until the game was over because there's still free hot dogs. Well, that too, but nonetheless. <laughs> All right. Uh, Nats play tonight. Against Milwaukee, 705. And, and uh, what's the pitching matchup Jordan, down Jordan, there? Jordan Lyles. We were talking about it. Jordan Lyles uh, for Milwaukee and uh, Anibal Sanchez uh, for the Nationals. And Sanchez uh, has the seven-game winning streak going on. So uh, that, and that's pretty impressive in itself of his own right because of the 0-6 start to this season that he got off to. Yeah. And Orioles play same time at Fenway Park, 705. Right. Wojo. Wojciechowski, Asher Wojciechowski goes against Eduardo Rodriguez, who has clearly, Craig, put together his best full season. Number one, he's been healthy. He's been healthy, and that's been the big key for him. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when the when that deal was made and then he got to Fenway uh, and, and started pitching for the Red Sox. A lot of people – because of the injuries and because of the fact he wasn't pitching well because of those injuries, a lot of people were saying, well, we made the deals and look what he's doing up there. Well, I, I think uh, when they made that deal, uh, I, I know there were a lot of people in the Oriole organization that didn't like the fact that they made that deal. And now maybe it's going to start to work out for the Red Sox where he becomes a consistent pitcher and a consistent guy like everybody in Baltimore thought he was going to be. Yeah, well, he's putting together a hell of a year. Uh, I hate to always attach it to my fantasy team, but I had <laughs> I had Eduardo this year. Look at look at his first ten or twelve starts this year compared to his last ten starts. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I traded him. Yeah, I traded him at the moment he got he started. Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. because that's... I did trade him for Michael Pineda, who's only been on the DL for me twice, but he's pitching well too. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Orioles, by the way, after the series in Boston, they come home for three against Kansas City, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night at Camden Yards, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday versus Tampa Bay. Right, and uh, again, when Tampa comes to town, those are going to be big, big games for the Rays because, I mean, let's face it, I don't think anybody's going to catch the Yankees at this point, but uh, the Rays certainly battling right there for that wild card spot. Uh, the top spot and the uh, second spot. But he here's the deal with that stand is the fact that they went through a stretch where all of a sudden it looked like they were starting to lose it a little bit. And now they've righted the ship a lot and uh, got back on track. So uh, you got to love what Kevin Cash has done with that team. He's done a terrific job with if that team. that's my wife, I'm not here anyway. Okay. And hopefully it's going to be Bernie Walter. Yeah. I don't know if for some reason we were have we've never had that trouble before, but we had trouble dialing out. Uh, today and hopefully that's not a problem when we try and get Dave Tremblay on. Joining us right now is the is the legendary high school coach at uh, Arundel High. Yeah. And he won a lot of games there at Arundel High. By my count, Bernie, in your 36 years there, he won 670 games. That's pretty close. Pretty close. Also, 2017 National High School Hall of Fame inductee first ever inductee from the state of maryland and ironically maryland was the last state to ever have an inductee all the other states that had one prior to you yeah that's true it was it was pretty good uh, it's a pretty big event they do it you know you get uh, the best high school coaches uh, players administrators in the country 
and uh, to be on it like that was just amazing. I was didn't expect it to be perfectly honest with you. Now, did you go in the same year as Bobby Richardson, or is it just that I read that Bobby Richardson was also a former inductee? Now he went in the same time we did. He went in as a player, uh, high school player. That's what it's all about. How you did in high school, so. I would imagine, and I know it's been a couple of years now since you went in, but I would imagine Bobby Richardson still looked like he almost could play the game. Uh, has he kept? Has he kept in shape all these years? Yes, he has. Yeah, uh, he, he looked really good and very personable. You know, was really uh, receptive to meet anyone in the in the in the, in the ceremony. He was really really a nice guy. All right. Well, again. Congratulations for that award. It's a couple years uh, old, and uh, you and I have gotten to know each other through the work with the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame. We've got a uh, press conference coming up uh, on the 27th of August. Uh, Steve Darty, who's the chairman of that uh, uh, Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame, has done a great job after he took over from you. But we've got an exciting class. We can't give it away just yet, but uh, got an exciting class coming out uh, this year, yes, we do. I think people really. Uh, if you're a sports fan, there's there's every sports taken care of. It seems like, and uh, some of the people that are coming in are really big, big names. Yeah, no question about it. Bernie, uh, the reason I had you on wasn't to to uh, give you kudos on going into that high school hall of fame or to talk about the Maryland State Athletic Hall of Fame. But you'll take it. <laughs> no, but he'll take it. But. Uh, <laughs> I had you on to talk a little bit about your assessment after reading what you've been reading about why we've got the proliferation of home runs that we do. Well, that's, uh, I mean, to me, it's it's a very complicated thing. Right now, Washington State University is studying this for Major League Baseball. Uh, that's the article that was in the USA Today, and it got me interested in it, and I, got, I started thinking about what what the deal is. And... You know, people talk about the baseball being juiced. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, because if it were if it were juiced, any lab in the country who would look at the the uh, components of baseball, whether it's a rubber or the or the elastic string, the you know whatever it is, the cover, even they could figure that out in, in a few minutes. And no one has done that. So therefore, what I'm saying is because it's so obvious that no one has seen it, it doesn't make any sense to me that, that, that the baseball is juiced the way that these uh, some of these players are talking about. Right, the way Justin Verlander popped off at the All-Star right. break, yeah. Right. So what then is going on in your opinion? Well, I think the only thing with the baseball that makes any sense to me is it's the seams are lower uh, in every baseball except for Little League. Uh, used to be you have high seams where you can put your finger on it and really grip it and make it spin. You don't have that anymore. So, therefore, when the ball's hit or if thrown, there's less drag. So, it, with less drag, you can throw a little faster. You can hit the ball a little. little uh, the ball will come off your bat a little faster. So, that's one of the factors that uh, make it happen. Um, the, the other side of that is that with with lower with with low seams. It seems to me it would be a little more difficult to make the ball break. So therefore, you might get less action in your in, in the movement of a fastball or less break on a curveball. To counter that, obviously, what baseball's done is got all these uh, 
uh, cameras or whatever, so they can they can analyze spin ratio and direction stuff like that, because it used to be you just had a feel for it. Now there's more of a science to it. So the ball the ball to me uh, the pitch ball goes a little straighter, uh, doesn't have as nearly as much movement as it maybe had at one time, and the ball um, when it's hit has less drag, and with less drag it should go further. So and then with the pitchers. The pitchers are taller than they've ever been. I mean, I can remember when I was like the baseball cards, the guy's five foot eight, playing for the Washington Center's Connie Marrero was a star uh, for them. And now you're looking at guys that are six foot four, six foot six, or bigger. And therefore, the angle that they throw the ball to home plate is a little more in a downward plane. Now, to counteract, to counteract that is, is that what hitters have done is begun to swing uh, a little more in that plane. I don't want to say exactly swing up because for a lot of people that's the wrong words. And but you stay in the plane. So if the plane's a steeper plane, you need to get your bat in that in that plane. Otherwise, you don't you can't stay on the ball as long when you swing. And that's an important concept because if you don't do that, you're obviously going to strike out a lot more. And of course, they're striking out a lot more. So some guys are not doing that very well at all. Um, the, you got better training methods than you ever had before. You've got uh, people all around the country who who think they can increase pitcher speed. Uh, we've got a kid down here at North County playing for the Monarchs, who um, he's about six foot two and about 175 pounds, and he's beginning. He's going to go to a training uh, program where. They think that they can take him from 84, 85 miles an hour to 90 miles an hour by the time high school season starts. Bernie, let me so ask. The, so the refinement of pitching is better. So uh, throwing a downward plane, throwing a ball harder, then you, what happens is when you swing the bat, if you if you have better bat speed, uh, you're going to get a, a super collision. High speed pitch, high speed bat swing. So. And then with that, with that, the ball is going to come off a little faster, a little further. And if you got the angle that's uh, a little less than 45 degrees, probably about 44 degrees somewhere in there, uh, you're going to get the maximum lift and get the have the ball go to further, furthest. Now, why is that? Why is that true? I think it's true because the hitters are taking more batting practice than they ever ever did, and it's more scientific. You know, you just went in there, and, and back in the day, uh, every coach that I was aware of that was worth his salt was teaching hitters to swing down on the ball, swing down on the ball, don't uppercut. Well, today that's changed. So you're you're swinging so you get lift. Uh, like I said, I don't want to say uppercut because that means you're probably going to drop your shoulder, which is really bad to do, but you can swing and get lift uh, with a better swing. So with all those things, with the with the baseball having less drag, the pitchers getting bigger, stronger, faster, uh, and then throwing harder, being taller, and then the batters using lighter bats, and we're talking about just an ounce or two in lighter bats, but that ounce or two makes a difference in how fast you can swing the bat. Correct. Take the, correct all those correct. things together. All right. And what I think you got is you got you got the ball going further and uh, more home runs. 
Bernie, let me ask you this, and and this goes back to what Stan was saying, what you know, the the whole controversy that happened over the All Star break with what Justin Verlander said. Now, Verlander last night in the Oakland game gave up his 31st home run this season. Yeah. And well, he's PO'd because he's, he's given up home runs right, and doesn't exactly. want to blame so himself. So he's saying that. And if you talk to Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer will say, who gives up his fair share of home runs right. too, by the way, he'll just say, look, it boils down to making your pitches, whether the ball's juiced, it's not juiced, it's round, wound tighter, it's not. He says it basically boils down to being able to make your pitchers, pitches. rather. And I'll, and I'll piggyback that by saying that uh, Jim Palmer asked Mike Messina about throwing out the first pitch here, and he was jokingly saying he, uh, at Camden Yards, what was, your, what was your spin rate on that pitch? And Messina looked at him and smiled and said, don't get me started. It just boils down to being able to make your pitches. Is, is it as simple as that? I don't think so. I, I, think, I think that's an important factor without a doubt, that you have to have command and throw the ball exactly where you want it to do it. But in turn... If if uh, a lot of the old, I mean, let me let me start again with that. A lot of the old school players and and Palmer would be in that, and so and Mike Messina, who I did coach, uh, would tell you the same thing that that the science of pitching has become a lot more advanced than when they were playing. There wasn't any of this stuff that that we're hearing today about spin rate and whatever. You just you haven't heard that, and I, I think that those those things. Are factors, but making your pitch is crucial. I mean, if, if you're going to throw the ball a little, a little teeny tiny bit straighter, and it's going to be a little bit easier to hit, so therefore you got to get in the right spot. And most hitters, uh, not Trout, not Pulholtz, and guys like that, but most hitters have a hole. And if you can see that you can in their swing, and if you can find that hole, you can exploit that and use that. And, and uh, I always thought Mike Messina was a master of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as good as anybody I've ever, I've ever seen. In fact, obviously the best I've ever coached in being able to throw the pitch where he needed to throw it. The best two, the best two I've seen in modern day are Greg Maddox and Messina at finding yeah. the one spot in the hitter's uh, approach that, that they could take advantage of. Bernie, will you do me a favor? Can we do this again in a couple of weeks? I got Dave Tremblay lined up. And I apologize, we had a technical problem with our phone. Can we do this again? Sure, anytime you, anytime you want to. Right. No, it's an interesting topic. I don't want to short shrift it, but I've got Dave Tremblay and we're running a little late. All right. Okay. Talk to you, and I'll see you on the 27th. Sounds good. Thank okay. you. Okay, thank you very much. A lot of fun, a lot of baseball knowledge there, boy. I'll yeah, tell you. I'll tell you, it's, it's not as simple as uh, sometimes we think it is. All right, we're going to make our connection now. We're going to try and call Dave Tremblay right now and see if that problem was on Bernie's end or on our end. end or, yeah, we'll yeah. find out. But uh, it's interesting, and, and I know that a lot of old school pitchers, like Bernie said, you know, have the old school philosophy, and you're not used to, you know, all the analytics that are out there now. You know, but the bottom line to it is for a lot of these guys, you're watching the game and you're – you're watching them pitch, and it's uh, it's really all about getting the hitter out. And and while a lot more probably goes into it nowadays than that, uh, it it's interesting that that Bernie has that you know take on it that it's so much more advanced now. 
By the way, uh, Todd Karpovich give, gives us the information. The Orioles have, in fact, recalled Hunter Harvey. Okay. So, okay. I, I'm making a flat-out prediction next year. Instead of Jimmy Yacobonas and uh, Taylor Scott, next year Dylan Tate and Hunter Harvey will be in the Oriole bullpen. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure that's uh, a good possibility, especially now where it looks like Hunter Harvey's kind of taken to that yep. role yep. And, and, and is willing to accept it, run with it, and get as good as he can with it. All right, speaking of getting as good as he can with it, joining us now is an old friend of uh, Craig Heist and myself, and that's former Orioles manager, Long-time baseball man, Dave Tremblay. Dave, how are you? Boy, it's great to hear from you guys. You're absolutely right. I couldn't uh, be happier talking to two old friends I was telling morning. I was telling Stan the story about you being over at Vieira with me covering the Nationals, and Pat Listach was yelling at you, telling you not to talk to me, and you looked over at Listach and said, I can't do that. I said, Heist knows where all the dead bodies are buried. <laughs> You got that right, and now, then some. And now, here's the biggest question before we start baseball. How are Irish going to do this year? Well, it all depends on, uh, you know, their defense. Um, they got to stop the run. Boy, they got a tough schedule coming right out of the chute. You know, they go to Louisville. They'll yeah. play tough because they'll throw the ball 50 times. And then they got to get ready to go to Atlanta and play Georgia. Uh, which will always be a test for him. But, you know, I love him. I live and die with him, so I'm hoping for the best. Dave always knew, Stan, my philosophy. I root for two teams, Notre Dame and who's ever playing Penn State. <laughs> he probably agrees with that philosophy. Dave, it's, uh, it's great to catch up with you. And, Same uh, here, Stan. And especially in a season where, surprisingly, you've been on the sidelines this season. Yeah, I um you know, when I got let go by the uh, Orioles, I went to work for the Braves for a couple of years as their field coordinator. Then I left and uh, got a major league job with Houston and went through that rebuild for a couple of years. Went back to the Braves and was uh, you know, the director of player development and the field coordinator. And at the end of the year, last year, 2018, I uh, I resigned my position on my own call, decided I, I needed a little bit of a break. And I've, um, you know, I've spent the year being at home, I live in Daytona Beach Shores. It's been rather nice uh, being at home. Obviously, I miss the game. I follow it all the time. I follow, you know, the Orioles and all the other uh, major league clubs. So uh, it's been a little bit different, but it's been somewhat refreshing. Dave Tremblay is our guest right now, former Orioles big league manager. I know, Craig, you've got questions galore for him. Well, you know, Dave, I, I look at a guy like Mike Yastrzemski and what he's doing right now. Uh, at the major league level uh, with the San Francisco Giants. Now, here's a kid. Let's tell Mike, though, in case you didn't know, Mike hit three home runs last night. Boy. Yeah, well, you know, I'll tell you guys, I, 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 follow, I follow all the games. I listen and watch every game, box scores, read everything I possibly can. And I tell you, after I saw that he hit three home runs last night this morning over my coffee, I said, I got to look up and see who the Orioles got for this guy. Right, yeah. <laughs> Now, and, and that's to my point here. How does an organization miss on a guy like Mike Yastrzemski, who, you know, wasn't the greatest minor league player in the world, but nonetheless, he, you know, he had his, he had his uh, moments, uh, but then all of a sudden he finds another place, and all of a sudden it, it starts to click and he goes. Now, how, how do the Orioles not miss that? Well, I, I, I don't think they missed on him. They probably felt like they didn't have – an ample opportunity for him to play. They probably felt there were guys ahead of him 
and uh, that that they wanted to take a look at. Um, you know, the the Orioles front office has come from Houston. We spent a couple years there, so they're very well versed in uh, you know the analytics and the model and projecting uh, players' abilities and talents. So, you know, I. I the, it's really hard to fathom, especially now when it's so difficult to find good players, good young players that can play on a regular basis, not platoon. So, um, you know, I, I think it's probably a situation where the Orioles felt like they had some other guys that were ahead of him and they wanted to see those guys and give them an opportunity. And it's obviously, Strumsky's just got to be thrilled because, uh, you know, he's really helped that club and out there with the Giants. You know, they've had a resurgence after the All-Star break and are fighting for a wild card spot. You know, it's it's interesting. You know Mike Elias pretty well, and you know Sig Maydell pretty, pretty well. I, I, the thing I like about the direction, is, uh, it's too easy to say I like the rebuild, but what I like is that they don't seem like they're rushing people to be what they need them to be. They're letting the players' performance dictate whether or not they're ready for the next step. And I haven't seen that in Baltimore in a long time, Dave. Well, we saw that in Houston. You know, we had some guys that we felt could help us, but, um, you know, Jeff Luna, who was the general manager, and, you know, Mike was there and Sig Sig was there. They took the very um, slow approach, let guys develop in the minor leagues. They gave Correa a little more time. They gave Springer a little more time. They gave McCullers a little more time. Uh, and I can go on and on with some players that, you know, we had in big league camp and we felt they could help us at the major league level. But really, what difference are they going to make? They may help you win five more games, three more games, seven more games. But, um, you know, in the long scheme of things, it's probably best that they take their time and get some seasoning in the minor leagues so that when they do come up to the big leagues, they're there to stay. I, I do know this about those guys. Those guys are very conscientious. Um, they're very, very, very calm in their approach. They're very confident in what they're going to do. And, uh, you know, I think what they're doing is two things that probably have been missing a little bit in the Orioles organization. They're really emphasizing the international market, yep. which is a must yep. in today's games. You're going to have to get players and develop them and sign them out of the international market. And secondly, your player development and your scouting department has got to produce one or two big leaguers every year to help your major league team. No question about it. Yeah, and uh, I got to ask you that: how much do you, if you, if you do pay attention to the Nationals at all, uh, and and you look at that team and you see the starting pitching, and you see the tough start that they got off to, twelve under five hundred on May the twenty fourth, and now here they are right back in the race and fighting for the division and the top wild card team. It looks as though they've got things turned around. And uh, I was wondering how much uh, have you ever been uh, connected with Dave Martinez in any way, shape, or form? Back in 1985, I was, um, <laughs> you know, working yeah. for the Cubs, and I had Davey Martinez as a player as I managed the instructional league team in 1985. He was there with guys like Dwight Smith and Doug DeCenzo and, Two guys that you might have heard of that turned out to be pretty good pitchers, Maddox and Moyer. Um, <laughs> there were yeah. some pretty good guys on that instructional league team that year. Dallas Green had uh, just come over from the Phillies. I think Davey's done a great job. What they have there is they have a veteran presence. And, um, 
you know, as the season has gone on, those guys have gotten healthy. They know how to win. They've been there before. And once they get Scherzer back, they have a chance to win every night with uh, the top three guys that they have, Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer going. They have a chance to win every night when those three guys are going. And Doodle obviously has done a great job. Turner, I think, has uh, made a big difference in their club in the leadoff spot. He's a catalyst, gets on base. And Rendon is uh, probably one of the more underrated players in the big leagues. This guy is an RBI machine, plays great third base, and always seems to come up with a big hit late in the game. Dave, uh, you're you're as old school as they get, in my opinion. But yet, I'm assuming over the last five to seven years, you've had to get your arms around the analytical approach and the use of advanced metrics. Was it was it hard for you? And do, do people of our age level, you know, do they take it as an insult to what they know about baseball? Or are you smarter to accept it as something that's a tool in your, you know, in your belt, so to speak? Well, the first time, uh, Stan, I got a, uh, obviously got to, I learned about it was when I was in Houston. And I remember Sig, uh, who really wanted to learn about uh, player development and evaluating players. Uh, at the time, the, the Astros had uh, their concept was called the player model. And, uh, you know, it was a computer concept that Sig was behind in analytics. And, uh, you know, we were the first, I think, to really emphasize the shift, the infield shift, uh, the catcher metrics, the spin rate. Uh, John Maley was our hitting coach, and, you know, he really emphasized launch angle, uh, you know, at the plate. Uh, but the one thing that I thought was missing that they relied on guys like myself and other people, that Enos Cabell, who was there as a special sure. advisor, Nolan Ryan, um, is makeup. Uh, you, can ha- you can, you know, grade a player out on the computer and all the analytics in the world, but that really doesn't tell you about his work ethic and his makeup and how that translates to the ability and the tools that he has. So um, I think you have to have what's called a balance. There's, there's obviously so much information, and you have to be careful with who you give that information to. Some of the players will short-circuit if you give them too much. Some of them want it all the time. I think some of it can be a little bit of a crutch. You know, I... I, I look now at this, the pitchers that come in the game, and it seems like in between every pitch they take their hat off and look in the bill of their cap to see which pitch they should throw this guy. Well, that that doesn't necessarily tell me what's working for him that night. What's your best pitch? You know, what's this guy hit? What's the situation, et cetera? So I think Rob Manford at the All-Star break really said it best when he said, uh, you know, the game is going – to the point where it's attracting younger and younger players. We're developing younger players, and that's for a lot of reasons, and I think the economics of the game plays a big part in it. But he said you better have the right people in place to teach them how to play the game. And I think that's where the old-school approach Mm -hmm. and just the basic approach of fundamentals in team baseball I think is going to be needed. And uh, it's interesting that uh, two teams that are back in the pennant race got two old-timers back. Phil Reagan with the Mets and Charlie Manuel with the Phillies <laughs> to kind of come in and really just kind of calm things down a little bit and put guys at ease. So I think there's a place for, for everything in the game. But make no mistake, you know, the computer approach, the analytical approach, there's great young minds in the game now that can come up with all kinds of uh, answers to everything. But there's still uh, a need, I think, for people that uh, – 
go with their instincts and their gut. Dave, I told Stan this earlier, I, and of course you know just from our time being together, you were one of my favorite guys to hang around. But I told Stan, I said, I always think that Charlie Manuel was the National League version of Mike Hargrove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's it's. It, I think it's great for the game. You know, there's a lot of young, really potential superstar players that are playing the game right now under 25 you got Soto over with the Nationals who who might be one of the best players in baseball right now the Braves got Acuna you know you still got Trout who's 27 years old Correa Springer I mean I can go on and on the Yankees got some great ones every team you know the Indians the Red Sox with Devers I mean gosh darn every team's got good young players but uh, you got to have some mentors, I think, along the way that that have what uh, I would call a framework of reference and have some experience and some guys that can always pull up somebody and compare and contrast uh, that player to to where he is now to where he should be compared upon who you've seen along the way. We're talking with Dave Trembley. Dave, the um, the player development area. I know. I know you'd love to probably skipper a major league team again, but uh, is that where you think you've got the most to offer an organization? Is in the player development part, teaching, teaching not only the players how to play the game, but maybe teaching some of the teachers how to teach. Well, there's no, there's no question about that. I enjoyed. Uh, immensely my time and opportunity to manage the Baltimore Orioles. That obviously was a dream come true. And, you know, I, I, I took that um, situation and experience to my heart and it's in my mind and I'll never leave. But I've always felt that my forte has been teaching. My forte has always been development of players. And I think as I've grown a little bit older and everything, um, you know, what I really have aspired to do and taken a lot of pride in is developing players and also developing coaches uh you know i think you have to teach the teachers how to organize how to develop how how, how to come across uh, to this new age player but also how to teach fundamentals and i think there's a, a real need for that now so player development is is something that uh, if i ever got back in the game that's what i'd like to do it have to be the right fit for me with an organization that um you know, aspires that. I remember my interview before I came the manager of uh, the Baltimore Orioles. I was there with Mike Flanagan and Jim Duquette, and they said, now, Dave, all the things you've been doing in the minor leagues with taking infield and doing fundamentals and early work and taking batting practice, do you think those things could, could work at the big league level? And I said, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Do you want me to tell you the <laughs> truth? And they said, well, tell us the truth. I said, the only way that'll work is if you guys will back me up. You need backing up from the people in charge, your front office and your ownership. And they said, we'll back you up. So, you know, I came to spring training that year for San Palazzo, and I, they gave me a title as major league field coordinator. But in big league camp, I was in charge of all the instruction. And, uh, you know, we, we, we did base running every day and bunting and a different fundamental and cuts and relays and, and bunt defense and pitchers fielding practice and situational hitting, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, when I took over in the big leagues, you know, we took infield before games home and away. We we took batting practice on day games and Sunday games. And I think you have to do those things to develop your players. You have to prepare the players and give them the best chance to succeed. Because you have to remember now, 
Number one, the international player does not play high school baseball or college. They're tryout players. That's what they are. They, they go to showcase down in the Dominican or, or Venezuela, and there's buscones there, and they try out sometimes three or four times a day for six or seven different clubs. Then you have the, the, the high school player or the college player, if he doesn't go to a real good college program, they play travel ball, and travel ball is just geared to me, 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 and how fast can I throw it on the gun, and uh, you know how far can I hit it. They don't learn the basics of the game, and they don't learn team baseball. So you get those guys that come into your player development system when they're signed and drafted, and really they don't know how to play the game. So a long-winded answer, yeah, I love player development. I love teaching, and I think more organizations um, need to have people that are in charge of that. Dave, that's why I thought you were such a good pick when Bo Porter left the Nationals and became the manager of the Astros, but it's a great human interest story. Tell our listeners what Bo did to get you down there as his bench coach. Well, Bo Porter played for me in the minor leagues uh, three, on three different levels. The first time was in 1995, and I was managing uh, here in Daytona Beach for the Daytona Cubs. Jim Hendry was running the minor league system, and Bo Porter was a late-round draft choice the year before at the University of Iowa. He's a two-sport star that played football and baseball, captain of the 93 Rose Bowl team. And, uh, you know, Bo's uh, goal was he wanted to be a two-sport star like Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson who played football and baseball. And so during spring training, Jim Hendry kind of told me that Bo Porter was going to be my guy. He was going to be on my team. He didn't have much baseball. He was from New Jersey. He hadn't played a whole lot of baseball in high school or college, but he was going to be my center fielder. But the caveat was um, he wanted to play football, so I was going to take him to uh, a couple of tryouts, one for the Dolphins, and I did. Uh, and then after the tryout, Bo point blank asked me, he said, hey, what do you think? Can I do it? And I said, you can play both, but if you really – and I told him the truth. I said, if you really want to play baseball – you're going to have to play baseball basically year-round. Mm -hmm. You're behind the eight ball a little bit. You haven't played a lot in high school. you got tremendous talent, tremendous ability, but you haven't played games. You're going to have to catch up. Now, if you play football, you probably you know, get to be a pretty good baseball player as you're going to be when you're about 28 or 29, and time might run out on you. So he thought about it, and a week later he came to me, and the Dolphins had offered him a contract to play football, and the Dolphins offered him that. And he, he came to me, and he said, do you think I should take it? I said, Bo, if I were you, I would concentrate on baseball. I think that's your ticket. So he didn't play football. Four years later, Bo was in the big leagues. And uh, when he got to the big leagues, uh, I was managing, I, I think I was still managing AAA uh, for the Orioles then. And he called me and he said, hey, if I ever get to the big leagues, I'm going to take you with me. You know, I've heard those stories so many times from people that checks in the mail and, uh, you know, the dog ate my homework. Well, lo and behold, uh, I'm running instructional league for the Braves in 2012, and it's late October. And my phone rings at midnight, and it's Bo Porter, who, you know, Bo and I have had a father-son relationship for a long time. And my phone rang at midnight, and I looked at it, and it was Bo Porter. And I got kind of excited, thinking something had gone on with his family, with his mom, or Tracy's wife, or Bryce's son. And I said, Bo, what are you doing, calling me this time? And he said, Dave. Tomorrow, the Astros are going to name me the manager. We got the job. I said, Bo, what are you talking about? He said, we got the job. I said, Bo, I'm so proud of you. Congratulate. He said, no, you don't understand. You're coming with me. 
I never forgot what you did for me when I was a player. I've never managed before. I need somebody to come. We're going to have young players, and I need your help. That's a great and story. So I, I went to Houston with Bo for two years and was his bench coach, and he put me in charge of running spring training. We did all the fundamentals, did all the teaching. And I can tell you this, we had an awful lot of early work every day in that in in, uh, in Houston. And, uh, you know, Bo has just been uh, a real bright, bright star in my life because he, he was a guy that was listening. And I think in the minor yeah. leagues, when you're a manager or coach, even when you get to the big leagues, the guys that have an opportunity to succeed are the ones that listen. And they understand that uh, those of us that have been put in charge, we care about them as a person and as a player. And uh, Bo never forgot that. Well, anybody that doesn't think the Astros' success wasn't due in whatever little part to you and Bo Porter, because that team was not very good then, but a lot of those players that were part of that, uh, Dave, went on to to win championships down there in Houston. Well, you got to – as Joe Madden told me when I was managing the Orioles, because he said he had gone through, you got to have somebody. And I told Brandon Hyde the same thing when he got. You're gonna have to have somebody going to take the punches. Yeah. And uh, you know, you got to take the body blows. You got to take the good with the bad. But you got to stay the course. And you, the players got to know you're in it for them. And um, I think the guys down there knew that. And I'm I'm confident that the guys that Brandon has right now in Baltimore have got to feel that as well. Well, i got to tell you, that for working with Stan all these years, that's all I've done, Dave, is take body shots. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, you're not alone in that corner. Hey. I, I still got some black and blues from my time in this game. Hey, Dave, i got to ask you a little bit of a personal question. How many sure. years in a major league uniform have you been? Is it four and a half or five and a half? Well, in the major league? Well, yeah. I, was in my fourth, I was in my fourth season. Uh, with the Orioles when I got fired, and then I spent two seasons. So, um, so do you have a with, do you, do you with have Houston? A, do you have a pension? That's what I'm asking. Oh yeah, I've got okay. a nice pension. Great. Uh, both from the minor leagues and from the big leagues, uh-huh. I could have taken my pension uh, from both uh, when I was uh, 55, and I didn't. I could have taken it at 62, and I didn't. I didn't take either pension until uh, this past year when I re- basically uh, you know, left the game yep. and I started taking it. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the minor leagues, I spent thir- a little over 35 years in the minor leagues, tw- in, the, in uh, baseball, 29 of them in the minor leagues, six in the big leagues. So there was a lot of bus rides, a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I loved it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll get an opportunity to do it again. For all that time in the minor leagues, though, Dave, can you – Certainly feel good for a guy like Brian Snitker with the Braves, who is just a career guy like that, and finally got his shot. Oh, there's no question. Snit is one of the one of the great guys in the game. I managed against Snit, and I remember when Snit, when I was managing the Royal Snit was uh, Bobby Cox's third base coach, and we had played them in the inner league uh, in Camden. The, that was one of the, the appealing things for me with the Braves while I was there, and that was one of the reasons why I left. They they had guys in that system that had been there 40-plus years. Um, Randy Engel had been there 41 years. Rick Albert, 40 years. Bobby Dews. Um, you know, I mean, there were guys that had just been in that system forever, and Snit's the only one left. Um, the Braves, when, you know, John Coppola left and John Scherholz is basically in a, 
a retirement uh, situation there. You know, Alex came in from Toronto and he brought his own people in and, you know, they made some changes and wanted to, uh, you know, disperse of some of the old time Braves that have been there for a long time. But uh, Brian Snitker has, um, he, he has earned and deserved. He's got a great demeanor. The guys love playing for him. And, uh, you know, he's a brave and that's probably the, the best thing you can see. He's a brave, uh, and he lives and breathes it every day. Dave, uh, really appreciate your coming on with us. Uh, last question I've got for you. Uh, how well do you know Brandon Hyde and do you think he's the right man for the job? Yeah, I know Brandon pretty well. When I was managing in the, uh, in the Southern league, he was a catcher first baseman for the White Sox. Um, in Birmingham, and um, then I followed his career and had run into him a few times uh, when he was in the minor leagues, and then knew him through Joe Madden. Uh, and to be honest with you, I talked to him a couple different times this past winter and didn't want to overstep my boundaries, but I called him out of common courtesy and said, Hey, I've been there where you're going to go, and uh. You know, you're going to just have to be patient and understand what the whole process is. Um, I think he is the right guy. He's, he's, um, I think he's got their attention. He's disciplined. He's fair but firm. I think he's flexible. I think he sees the big picture and he's not going to get, he's not going to change his course of direction based upon wins and losses. And because right now, I told him, I said, you got a five-year plan there. You're going to be playing most of the year with, like, redshirt freshmen. <laughs> um, because, of, because if you look back, and, and I told him, if you look back at the first year when we were in Houston, there's 95% of those guys that never played Major League Baseball again. And with all due respect to yeah. a lot of guys that are not playing in Baltimore, this is their one shot to make yeah. an impression on the manager in the front office because there'll be other guys coming. And there'll be guys that'll be knocking on the door, and there'll be guys next spring they'll be looking to make the big league club. And um, you know, sooner or later, the Orioles will field a team of guys under 25, and you know they're going to have them under contract for the next six years, and they'll they'll have a pretty good nucleus. So I think Brandon is the right guy. Um, I think you got to keep teaching. I think you got to keep developing, and you got to keep tinkering a little bit until you find the right combination. Dave Trembley, many thanks. Craig and I do this show year-round. Can we grab you sometime during the offseason? Oh. oh, anytime. Right. I, I'm in a, I stand in, I'm in a perpetual off-season right now. I'm not used to that. <laughs> it, um, won't be, it won't stay that way for a while. Dave, I am, stay that way long. Dave, I am going to tell Dave Ginsburg you said hello. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. Right. Start it. I, I'll, you know, one of these times I'll look forward to running into you guys in person and this is, uh, I'm sure you know, we Stan, we, we've corresponded a lot over yep. the email, and Greg and I have been really good friends for a long time, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time and reaching out to me. It's meant, meant a whole lot to me, and it, it brings back a lot of great memories that will be with me for a long time. This was a fabulous segment. Thanks. Thank you, Dave. Really appreciate okay, it. Okay, man. Bye. Bye-bye. The Battle Round is presented by Mobile One. Mobile One Synthetic Motor Oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center and ask for mobile one we are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios and time just now to tell you that if you want to see adlai rutschman this season you've got six more opportunities including tonight 
versus the Vermont Lake Monsters at 6.05, and it's catch on the field night. Tomorrow, 4.05, kids run the bases free, and Monday at 7.05, and then the last three home games of the season against Brooklyn on the Wednesday the 28th, Thursday the 29th, and Friday the 30th. You can see Brooklyn uh, Friday that 30th is the final home game of the season for the Ironbirds, and it's Friday night fireworks. Go to ironbirdsbaseball.com to check out what uh, the deal is to get tickets. All right? We're going to be right back. It was a great segment with Dave Tremblay. We both asked him some good questions, and, boy, he's still sharp as a tack. Still sharp as a tack and a great baseball man and a lifer. And when you sit down and you talk to somebody like that, that's some of the great, greatest baseball conversation yeah. you'll ever have. All right. We'll be back with more of the bat around. And we're not going to play the uh, Jake Lyons interview. We're going to go right to Bill Latson. We spent extra time with our friend Dave Tremblay. Check out Costa's Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. They're known far and wide for their great steamed crabs and crab cakes. And their nightly specials also include crab cake night on Monday, rib night on Tuesday, steak night on Wednesdays with a half-price bottle of wine, and lobster night on Thursdays. Check out CostasInn.com to find out more. And the delicious crab cakes are shipped anywhere. In Birdland, summer looks a lot like strolling under the lights on Utah Street, diving into a juicy Boog's barbecue sandwich, snagging exclusive giveaways and tagging your friends to get theirs too saving big with kids cheer free or sipping on an ice cold brew on the budweiser roof deck while jamming out to the all-new birdland summer music series whatever gets you going this summer oriole park has you covered and all you need is your ticket be part of it all orioles.com Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season and all things sports, with all of the big events on dozens of TVs. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more, with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. See them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit sliders today respect it's more than a word in the u.s army it is one of our core values earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad on the army team respect is earned daily and now in addition to earning respect you may earn up to forty thousand dollars in bonuses if you qualify to learn more visit goarmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY paid for by the u.s army the latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Michael Oxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press boxonline.com. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Oh. Or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? Uh, you know what? 
I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. But I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Jabba Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Jabba Chamberlain. Uh, we are back on the bat around, and we want to remind you that you're listening to the bat around from the live casino hotel studios. And one more time, got to remind you that tonight is a very special event. If you're a country western fan, Dwight Yoakam tonight at eight o'clock. Tickets start at just forty-five dollars, include ten dollars in free slots play. So if you're a country music fan, Sugarcane Jane going to be there. Yeah, going to be there along with Dwight Yoakam tonight. Also coming to the live event center in the coming months are comedian Norm MacDonald, Grand Funk Railroad, Boz Skaggs, Kenneth Babyface Edmonds, and Gladys Knight. Get your tickets and look up the schedule at livecasinohotel.com. Lats would go to Gladys Knight. It definitely would. Yeah. Definitely would. Speaking of Gladys Knight, our guest is Bill Latson. <laughs> Bill, how are you, my friend? You okay? Hey, man, I would I would pay to see Grand Funk, Bog Skaggs. Uh, it's you know great great musician. Yeah. Well, you know that uh, they're a sponsor of ours, so obviously I'm not going to say anything bad about them. But you know what's great about that? The prices are pretty reasonable forty five dollars for tickets, and you get back ten dollars in slots play. So if you're taking your wife or your girlfriend. 90 bucks, but you get $20 back in slots play. Not hard to imagine you winning 100 bucks or 200 bucks. So, so which one are you taking? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would buy that deal. All right. You deal. like no, that deal. Notice he didn't answer the question. He's got to move <laughs> He's got to move back in the area. Uh, well, that's yeah. true. And he also has to stay in the house, too. <laughs> hey, Billy, uh, you wrote a piece this week, uh, your MLB.com column. Uh, about Ryan Zimmerman. He's one of your favorites. Correct. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, this is most likely his last year with the Nationals. Uh, you know, he has an option that I don't think the Nationals will pick up. We <laughs> know they're not going to pick it up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's about it's about $16 million, and the buyout is about $2 million. So I, I think it's going to be a buyout. But, you know, like Ryan Zimmerman told me, He's willing to pay. He's willing to play uh, on a cheap rate. So we'll see. I mean, I, I figured this out. If he doesn't resign with the Nationals, I can see him going to the Orioles. And I, I know they're going young, but you know what? Ryan Zimmerman could be a positive influence on that Orioles team. So I could see him uh, going there and uh, becoming a great influence. Well, you know what? I I, I don't disagree with that, but. What I would say that makes me think differently is the fact that I think Adam Jones could have been that kind of guy for the Orioles this year. And uh, Adam, certainly not to the injury standpoint or toward the end of a career, I think, like Ryan is. But, you know, for me, I still think Ted Lerner and Mike Rizzo are going to do what they can do to try to bring him back for a year. And like Zim said, he wants to gonna, if he wants to play and he can stay healthy, and that's obviously the issue, you know, he could go on a year-to-year thing. Uh, he would have no trouble, trouble doing that. 
But I, 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 I can see, I can I see him coming up, back to them. I think he ends up back with them. Yeah, Nationals. absolutely. I think he ends up back with Washington. For about $6 million or something like that. And if, I did not even for that. $3 million, Three or four? You know, maybe about $2 million. $2 million. Yeah, all because, right. Yeah, because I don't see him playing with that kind of money. Well, and he even told Bill. He said, you know, the, the money's not the issue right, right now. I'm at home. I live here. My kids are here. You know, his wife and he have, you know, have roots right there, uh, and and I think uh, you know being able to 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 be close to the ballpark, to be able to come to work, uh, you know, it's it's a big deal for him. We're talking with Bill Latson at MLB.com. Bill, what are some of the big stories you're watching now in the game? Uh, I think everybody except Jim Henneman, our esteemed baseball writer here at Press Box, he wrote a column. Don't give the you know don't give the Astros the American League pennant just yet. Uh, about 10, 12 days ago. Um, your thoughts on uh, what's what's in store for us uh, in the American League postseason? I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I, I I see no one better than the Houston Astros. You, you know, I always tease Craig, you know, about the Yankees and everything, but. I tell you, I'm not impressed with the Yankees starting rotation. And I, I think that the Houston Astros can beat the Yankees, to be honest with you. Yeah, I do too. I think it's going to be another Houston Dodgers World Series. But, you know, but to tell you the truth, I don't want to see the Dodgers in there if they're going to lose again. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, that, that's the way I feel. Let me ask you this. Is Aaron Boone... The American League Manager of the Year. I think head and shoulders. No question. Yeah. All right. No that's, doubt about that's it. That's what I was thinking because of everything he's been able to accomplish with that team. Forty over five hundred, with the amount of injuries they've sustained and continue to just bash the baseball. Again, though, I, I'm I'm I total agreement with Bill. When the playoffs roll around, and you need a starter to get you through five innings to set up that bullpen, if they can do that, Stan, that bullpen's pretty impressive. No question about it. No question about it. Hey, hey, Bill, uh, yeah. I don't know how active you are watching social media, but last night I saw this thing about savages in the box. Have you seen it, Craig? No. It's a yeah, no, vi- I haven't. It's a video. That's probably from the, uh, Aaron Boone. Yeah. Well, Bo- statement to the umpires. Well, yeah. Boone, somebody um, like a podcaster who's very good with uh, video. Um, cutting up video, mm-hmm. put together like a, a about a two-minute or minute-and-a-half rant that uh, Aaron Boone had against. Uh, do you know who the umpire was? It was a young umpire. It was a young umpire. I, yeah. I forget the name. And, man, he lit him up, and he and he said, he goes, now that pitcher out there is pretty damn good. He goes, but my batters, they're savages in the box. Mm-hmm. He goes, and you're, you're getting off to a bad start here. And he goes, Clean up this SHIT. And he uh, and it was really great. And it just goes, it, you know, it, it's a viral video. It took now. on a life of its own. And it's now for sale in the, not the video, hats and T-shirts mm-hmm. in the Yankees store. Savages in the box. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised, to tell you the truth, that Aaron Boone didn't get in trouble for that. Know. You know, <laughs> because people would have couldn't interpret that as something racist. And uh, I'm just—I mean, I'm—I'm mean, I'm glad he didn't get in trouble. Yeah. he's one of the good guys, but I'm surprised he didn't get in trouble for it. Yeah, I, the, the word "savages" though is—you know—it's that's not a 
pejorative in my opinion. That's just the definition of intense warriors, you know. And that's what he was saying about his hitters. I'm surprised that the umpire didn't throw him out because he cussed he the did. umpire. Oh, he, he did, did throw oh, him yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, I didn't know he, did he threw him out. I didn't know yeah. he threw him out. Yeah, the umpire just out. stands there in the video, just stands yeah, there no, and takes it. Out. Yeah, right. Okay. And, and then, you know, after the game, um, they, yeah, after the game, he credited the, that umpire for doing, a good, for doing a good job. Yeah. You, so, mean, uh, after, you mean after that point? After that point, yeah. After yes. that point. Well, yes. I, he made his he made his case very strongly, and if you guys Google it, it's a really terrific little video that this guy put out. He's a, a Yankee podcaster who uh, is known for putting up viral videos. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill, um, is Brian Cashman, is he, I know he's great, but has he also got a horseshoe up as you know what? I mean, Gio Urshela. Mike Toshman, uh, Luke Vogt. How I mean, how does he get these guys that you know are are kind of like the Mike Yastrzemski's of everybody's organization, and they're all of a sudden they're almost star-like players with with his team. Well, he credits his front office. You know, the front office and the Yankee chain have changed. I mean, compared to the George Steinbrenner era, mm-hmm. where Steinbrenner would take all these veterans, but now. They're deeply in the analytics, and you know they rely. You know he relies on his young, younger people, and they tell him who to get, and they really scout very well as well. So uh, I think it's a credit to um, you know to his uh, entire staff. I think that's why you know these guys have been successful uh, this year, the last two years. Tell you the truth, three years. We want to remind you we're broadcasting from the live casino hotel studio. And if you are watching on Facebook Live, please still like us and share us because it helps build up the audience. Craig? I uh, when you look at uh like I asked you about Aaron Boone, uh what is the what is the organization's uh opinion of my uh, of Talkman? Because I just thought he was fabulous. I mean, they think very highly of him. I mean, as you know, he didn't get a chance in Colorado. And he really didn't get a chance, let's say, in the first half because he kept going in and out back to the minor leagues. And you know what? I, I think Aaron Boone left a message that if you play hard, keep your mouth shut, you're going to play. And, I, and, I, and why I say what I say is because of Clint Frazier. Right. Clint Frazier had a... You know he, re- you know he hit like over two eighty, and he's not back yet. Yeah. But but that's because how he treated the media, didn't talk to them after a bad game, and uh, so you know he's paying for that. So I- I'm not surprised. We're talking with um, our friend Bill Latson from MLB.com. Bill, uh, the American League wild card situation is between, frankly, between four teams. Whoever wins the Central and Minnesota's skirted back and has a game-and-a-half lead over Cleveland. And they have, by the way, a very easy schedule the rest of the way, the Twins, including their last 13 games of the season against the White Sox, Detroit, and Kansas City. Uh, but that's a, th- a four-team race for, for three spots, essentially, for the wild card. In the National League, you've got the – uh, Atlanta Braves with a four and a half game lead. 
You've got the Dodgers with about a 17 or 18 game lead. Then you have the Cardinals who have now moved in front of the Cubs. But then after that, the wild card is between legitimately eight teams have a chance to fight for those two shots, uh, two spots, Washington, Philadelphia, the Cubs, Milwaukee, the Mets, and even the Giants, who's, who's gotten above 500, and Arizona's one game under 500. How do you think that's going to play out in the National League? Do you think the Nats can catch Atlanta? Can the Phillies stay hot now? How big a help is Charlie Manuel there? Well, you know what? After watching the Nationals here in New York, and I covered four games there, you know what? My mind has changed regarding Dave Martinez. I think they can win the division. Yeah. I really do. Um, I think they can catch the Braves. And uh, the wild card, I mean, man, that's tough. You know, I would love to see Bochi win it because this is last year. But uh, I think Charlie Manuel has made a difference. I think they pretty much, the ownership anyway, pretty much said, we're going old school. Let's forget analytics. And, you know, as you know, Charlie Manuel told Bryce Harper, be yourself. And we and you see what has happened. Um, they started winning. And I wouldn't be surprised if by next year they go old school again. I mean, let's face it, the last time they won a World Series was because of an old school manager in Charlie Manuel. So it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't. And Jason Worth and Chase Utley. <laughs> yes, that's right. He had the talent. Yeah. He had the talent. Yes, he did. So so let me ask you a question. I see a looming story in the National League because I don't think the Cubs are going to make the playoffs. I, I really Correct. don't. Yeah, uh, I, I where, agree with you. Where's Joe Madden going to be next year? That's a good question. I thought, you know, I, I was wondering why did he hold that press conference and say, I'll be back next year. I, Right. You know, I didn't understand that either. Um, I never heard the front office say anything like that. Right. So until they say he's back, uh, I don't think he'll be with the Cubs, if that's what you're asking me. Yeah. I don't think he'll be with the Cubs. I'm thinking the guy who's really on a surprising hot seat, I've never known him that well, or is Andy Green. I mean, that team is is really backpedaled this season. I know well, they've know had what, some though? injury problems. Yeah. Go ahead. Think, think about what they've done during the Andy Green era. And I really like Andy Green, too. Okay. I know Andy Green. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, they've, in one year, they, they uh, spent money to get all these players. It didn't work. They went back to the drawing board. And then they w- started spending money again this past offseason. And it's not working. And they had the minor league system. Everything, and right now, you know, it's just not working. So, yes, Andy Green's on the hot seat. And, yeah, you might have to get a different manager for next year. All right. Uh, Mickey Calloway, uh, what's your thoughts on his status right now? Well, for a long time, I thought, I mean, everyone would be lying if they said a month ago that he should be fired. He should have been fired already. Okay. Again, uh, and, and Craig, you know this guy. I mean, everyone credits Phil Reagan for, you know, uh, you know, for this uprise. You know, you know what I'm saying? 
everyone credits Bill Reagan because he's a grandfatherly type guy. The pitchers love him. So that's a great question. I mean, I don't know, man. I, you would hope, uh, you know, if the Mets keep it up, I say he sticks around. All right. Craig, anything else for our friend? Well, I just wanted to uh, kind of echo what you were saying. I mean, Mickey Calloway kind of, in, in, in my mind, kind of put himself back in the hot seat this week by making a couple of moves that weren't necessarily uh, conducive to the Mets winning ball games. One down in Atlanta, and, and, and now they go out to Kansas City, and they've lost two games out there. You can't, you can't, right. You got to sweep a team like Kansas City, and what, and what he did to Lugo, it let him get rocked uh, against the Atlanta Braves. I mean, what are you thinking, man? So, um, well, they, they you, might, want... you, you, you might need a new uh, uh, manager for that. You, I mean, he's, you're right. He makes mistakes. Yeah. Well, they, they didn't lose two yet in Kansas City. They lost two out of three to Atlanta, and now they lost the first in Kansas City. But they're in the midst of a one and three week when they, they had momentum going. Uh, and now, if you throw in the Nationals game last Sunday, they've lost four out of their last five at the worst possible moment. Yeah. Um, right. What, what are you hearing on the Max Scherzer situation? I know Craig is closer to it, but I'm wondering what you're hearing uh, distance away. I heard what everyone else heard, that they're not rushing him to get back on the mound. Uh, he, the, you know, he was hoping to pitch on Sunday. That's not happening. Right. So, um you know, I, I, you know, I don't blame the Nationals. I mean, they've always been that way. You know, they're not going to rush anybody. I mean, they did it with Strasburg during the playoffs. Uh, you know, two two playoff series, and uh, I'm not surprised they're not rushing. Um, you know, Scherzer. If you look at their history, well, he will throw another sim game today, and right. then when he comes out of that, they'll they'll see what happens. They'll go from there. Uh, I don't think a minor league rehab is in the offing because, number one, their season's coming to an end in a couple of weeks. And, number two, Correct. if you were going to waste 75 to 80 pitches, uh, and I don't mean waste, but you're not wasting it at the minor league level as opposed to having him throw up here, you know, in the big leagues. So I, I myself, I follow, I follow uh, pitchers coming off the DL all the time in fantasy baseball but uh, their performances are in real baseball. And I've always found that guys coming off the DL, one start in the minor leagues of four to five innings is the way to go rather than putting them right back in the pressurized situation in the major leagues. And I especially think right now with the way Fetty and Ross are pitching, they're not under that – you know, they're not under this desperation. And, and that's a to, big, big deal because yeah. those two guys are a combined 5-0 and with They've an been, ERA of under one. Fantastic. Over the last three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Right. You can credit them for the Nationals, you know, why, as to why the Nationals are still in this race. Yep. Because yep. Um, they've kept uh, them alive by pitching well. All right. Bill, many thanks for joining us today. Uh, it's always a pleasure and um, I'm rooting for your Yankees, all right? I hear you. I appreciate that. I know Craig's not, but... Well, you right. you damn right. And uh, quit texting me the meaningless BS that you always text me about the Yankees. 
yeah, but you know they're my team. Well, that's, I care. that's true. Well, you should go. <laughs> you should go tell somebody who does care. <laughs> who, who should I go? To Stan? I, I, no, well, if, they, if who should he turn to? If Stan, nobody if, needs if, him. If, if Stan, if Stan wants to listen to it, that's you, fine. Hey, Bill, you can text me anytime you want about the not, Yankees. It's not my fault. You don't have All any right. friends. Hey, I can move. <laughs> I, I can move heist out, and you can do uh, a remote co-hosting job there you on go. the show. There we yeah, go. Yeah, that'd, that'd be good. Uh, Let me tell you good. something. It doesn't pay much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. You. Thanks. Thanks a million. You got it, man. Take All care. Right. Craig, let's tell our fans, uh, let's tell our listeners and viewers on Facebook And Live. fans. Yeah, they're fans. Right. But we remind them to like and share the show. Absolutely. Even at this late moment. Even, it, it, really be, helps. Yes, it really helps. Because people can go back on Facebook and listen to the show and watch the show. Yeah, and they might hear us right now talking about the Costas Inn. Well, you can't do anything better than the Costas Inn if you're uh, wanting to go out for great seafood and uh, the best steamed crabs in the area, along with crab cakes, crab soup, either Maryland crab soup or cream of crab, 4100 North Point Boulevard is the place to be for the cost. What's in the address again? 4100 North Point Boulevard in Dundalk. Uh, how do you get there? Well, you go around the Beltway and get off at North Point Road. <laughs> oh, it's on North Point Boulevard. Yeah, North All Point, right. yeah, exactly. All right, 4100. 4,100. Open right. seven days a week. Right. Great specials on the menu all week long. Crab cake night on Monday night. Ribs, ribs night. night on Tuesday. Steak, steak night. night with half-priced bottles of wine mm. on Wednesday. Lobster and then lobster, either regular or stuffed with that great favorite. imperial crab imperial. It's Jane's favorite. Right. Well, let's take Jane out this week then. <laughs> well, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> no, actually, I can take her out. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, anyway, all right. Anyway, Nick and Nick and Pete treat you right, and uh, you can have those crabs too and crab cakes shipped anywhere, anywhere in the, the country. Yeah. All right, the Costas Inn. We'll be back and wrap things up. Jerry's Tire is located in Baltimore City, just steps away from Little Italy and historic Jonestown. Jerry's not only sells all the major brand tires like Bridgestone, Michelin, and Continental, but is your go-to shop for everything from oil changes to factory scheduled maintenance. All repairs are backed by a nationwide warranty. The team over at Jerry's has been serving the Baltimore area for over 62 years and are eager to earn your business. Give them a call at 410-685-4330 or visit them online at jerrystires.com to shop for tires and schedule an appointment. That's Jerry's, G-E-R-R-Y-S, tires.com. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. 
Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual college football preview. On the cover, Brooks DeBose profiles Maryland football coach Michael Oxley, who finally got his dream job but faces a tough task. Plus, previews for Navy, Towson, Morgan State, and more as well as a preview of the high school football season in the area. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at Press boxonline.com the smokehouse barbecue bacon sandwich has come to chick-fil-a nottingham square a boneless breast of chicken marinated with a special blend of seasonings and grilled for a tender and juicy backyard grilled taste served on a toasted buttered sweet yeast bun with colby jack cheese bacon hand tossed in a brown sugar and pepper blend and green leaf lettuce topped with zesty smokehouse barbecue sauce have it with their real lemonade and the famous chick-fil-a waffle fries for a late summer meal that satisfies nobody waits for food unless they choose to chick-fil-a nottingham square offers the super fast service you count on dine in drive through or pre-order with your chick-fil-a app and it'll be ready when you get there plus if you use the chick-fil-a app you automatically accrue points for free food there's no better time for chick-fil-a nottingham square than today 5198 campbell boulevard in the nottingham square shopping center catering available and we are back to wrap things up on the battle round. Stan the Fan and Craig Heist. And uh, Heisty, uh, you out at Nats Park tonight? Heading down there shortly after uh, I make a pit stop at home. And uh, we're heading down there tonight because we have uh, a show at 6 o'clock uh, leading into Charlie on and Dave radio. on radio on 106.7 The Fan. All right. Uh, Nats. Yeah, I'm sorry. Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles. And uh, Annabelle Sanchez. Annabelle Sanchez. Good matchup. Right. Favors the Nats, in my opinion. Well, I think so, too. And uh, Lyles is 7-8 and eight on the year. Uh, ERA is pretty respectable, but uh, Sanchez is on a pretty good roll since uh, that 0-6 start. Is the, is the team 14-0 in his last 14 starts? Uh, I believe they are, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty yeah. good. And that, the last time they, I are, they are a season high, 11 games over 500, five-game winning streak, 9 of 12. So they're playing good baseball. And uh, that was after a little bit of a sluggish about 500 start after the All-Star break. So if Scherzer isn't pitching tomorrow, have they named the yeah, starter? Yeah, Eric Fetty will Eric pitch Fetty tomorrow. Yeah. tomorrow. Eric Fetty will pitch tomorrow. I don't know right right now. Yeah. Okay. I think it's actually one of their legitimate starters tomorrow. But, uh, all right. Where are the Nats? The, the, what do the Nats have after this? They go to Pittsburgh. They for go four? to Pittsburgh for four, and then Chicago. Cubs, the Cubs for three. Yeah. Then come and home then for come two against the Orioles. Two against the Orioles right. after an off day on that Monday. All right. Uh, Orioles again f- play tonight at uh, Fenway Park. It's Asher Wojciechowski against Eduardo Rodriguez. Right. That'll be the start tomorrow tonight. All right. All right. Let's see what the All offense right. does against Rodriguez tonight. Thanks to Ryan McGettigan and thanks to Griffin Bass for helping us out behind the scenes. Now, and, now uh, real quick. Yes. Griffin Bass or Ryan, better on the board. Because oh, boy. We, we had him last week. I think they're uh, they're both pretty good. Okay. They're both pretty good. They, You know, they get a lot of curveballs thrown at them. Like today, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, how do you handle that, you know? Well, we, cu- we cuss at them a lot. We cuss at them. <laughs> 
Um, I will be out again next week. Hey, okay, so uh, hey, Griffin. So you get another chance. Griffin-in? Yeah, you get another hey, chance for Griffin. Hey, I'm at that. <laughs> <laughs> Should Didn't just want to say who's better, but hey. should have just shut my mouth. All right. Yeah, yeah, you should have. Uh, yeah. That's usually the best uh, plan of attack. Yeah, that's rule number one. And, and keep in mind, we used to treat Bonza this way too. <laughs> Bonza and, and Brittany. And, uh, Brittany. Yeah, yeah, but you know, we we took it easier on Brittany. Yeah. Because, you know, because she's of the fairer sex. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. She's doing very Hi, well, mom. by the way. We're <laughs> doing very. Want to make doing, sure mom knows. She's doing very well with uh, Maroon PR. Yeah. Talking to John yes. Maroon, he said we love her. Right. We love her. Okay. They can have her. Yeah. Because we didn't want her anymore. We didn't want her anymore. <laughs> All right. That wraps us up. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everybody.